Wildcats to another episode of the Weber State Weekly Women's Hoops Show. This is a special interview that we're uh, we're putting together here to talk a little bit about the 50th anniversary of Title IX, which will be a celebration taking place up in Boise this year. If you haven't already, get your tickets to the Weber, uh, to the Big Sky Conference Tournament up in Boise. Just a couple of weeks away, it's going to be a good time. We've talked a lot about it on the show. And so uh, get your tickets. I'm your host, Colby Peterson. Um, for this special interview, we've got some um, some 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 faces that you haven't had a chance to meet yet if you're a Wildcat fan, but if you're around the Big Sky Conference, you've probably heard of them. First and foremost, we've got uh, for is anybody really a former anything? But I'm not going to say former Wildcat, still a Wildcat. Janie Nadalski working for the Big Sky Conference now these days. But uh, Janie, thanks for taking some time to come to Weber State Weekly. Hey, thank you so much, Colby. I really appreciate you having uh, having me on and having Linda on. We're very, I'm very excited about it. Yeah. And so also joining us to talk a little bit about this, uh, about this celebration and uh, the history of women's hoops in the Big Sky Conference. We're welcomed by Linda Jacobson, uh, former standout for the the Montana Grizzlies, uh, had a, had quite a run there in the late 90s. A lot of a lot of hardware. Linda, thanks so much for chatting with us as well. Well, this is nice to be in Weaver country. Haven't been here in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nor- yeah, well, I mean, she said go Wildcats. I mean, dude, how could you not accept that? So, ladies, uh, like I said, we want to talk a little bit about Title IX and folks, you know, talk a little bit about its impact on your lives and your careers. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about your uh, your time playing against each other, because uh, from my understanding, there were some battles in in those days. And then we're going to talk a little bit about some things that the conference has planned for this upcoming conference tournament. So let's start with um, a little bit about about Title IX, because last year, 2022, was the 50th anniversary of its passage and had a huge impact over the way that sports got funded in the United States and uh, I think paved the way and opened a lot of doors for a lot of folks. I am sitting in in Pat Summit country right now. I'm a little, little further away from Knoxville, but Pat Summit, greatly revered here in the state of Tennessee. And so I wanted to ask you ladies, uh, Janie, let's start with you. Talk to me a little bit about how Title IX has had an effect on your life because I think that that impact extends beyond the court. Well, thank you so much. Um, you know, Title IX was one of those things I didn't really ever think about, to be honest with you, um, and, until I had uh, kids of my own, daughters of my own, and really started to, to take a look at what did that actually mean in my life and started to look back at some historical things. And I remember... I, as I was doing this, I remembered a moment. I was a freshman in high school in Idaho, and, and uh, I remember we were trying to find uniforms for our team, and we were digging through boxes of old polyester uniforms. And the the boys' freshman team got got the hand-me-downs from the JV because the JV got the hand-me-downs from the varsity because the varsity got new new uniforms, and um, we didn't. And our varsity didn't get it. And so we had these polyester uniforms that we were digging through and none of them fit. They were very old school. And so we had at one point, we had a blue polyester jersey and then we had white shorts and we represented a a school at that moment. Right. And it it was kind of, I look back at it now and I'm like, that was, you know, that was in the nineties. That's not that long ago. That was mid nineties. And then that was happening. And so then I started to think, and I and I did some. I talked with my mom. My mom played basketball for BYU um, in the 1969. She started, and she graduated in '72, which is when Title IX really went into effect. And then right. she 
you know, she's a teacher. She moved to Idaho and she went to start uh, the first girls basketball uh, team at that high school. And I always remember she told me a story about she went that day in 1973 um, to start this girls team and she didn't have any basketballs. And so she went to the athletic director and said, I don't have any balls. We're going to have these, these practices. And, and he said, Oh, I've gotten for you. And he went and he threw out these balls and they were all, they were plastic and they were distended. And she said, what am I supposed to do with this? And he said, um, it's just girls. It's not a problem. And when you think about it, that's not that long ago. And, you know, I, I think about battles we had to fight um, in high school where they were telling us what kind of uniforms we had to wear for volleyball um, because wearing spandex was considered um, immodest. And that's a volleyball uniform, standard uniform. And it was a, we had to go to the school board to get permission. Um, it's not that long ago. And I always worry that, especially as women, we forget about what life was like before it was enforced and what life was like before. And so as, as a mother of two daughters who are involved in athletics and Ted, let's be straight, Title IX isn't just about athletics, but it is what I'm involved with it the most. And so I think that we need to continually have the conversation about the importance of Title IX and, and how it can positively impact our daughters and give them those opportunities that we actually had to have a law created to be given the rights to those opportunities. And so that's where I, when I think about Title IX, I think about the importance of continuing the discussion and also celebrating those women, those pioneers, my mother being one of them, don't ever tell her I said that because she'll hold it over my head. But I always think about, I stood in the 90s when I was in high school and college, I stood on the shoulders of giants and I didn't even realize it until I've grown up. And now I'm coaching my daughters. I'm coaching competitive teams like Linda. And I look at these girls. I'm like, you have no idea how good you have it. And so I realize that we've become the giants, that they are now standing on their shoulders. And so I, I want to always keep that in mind that we need to celebrate and, and recognize where we've come from, but also continue to push forward to make sure that we continue to have um, those opportunities for our daughters and our daughters' daughters. And so, Linda, um, it's kind of full circle for you as well, you know, starting as as a player, making your way through D1, um, had a lot of success at the University of Montana, uh, and now coaching yourself and helping to continue that cycle and giving young women an opportunity. Talk to us a little bit about the impact on, on your life, uh, because it seems that, like I said, it has continued to have an impact and really make the difference for you and those who have come after you. Yeah, we, I feel uh, pretty blessed because I'm one of the few that got to play for Robin Selvig. And I feel like, and I don't know a lot about all the other coaches at that level when I was playing, but I know about him just in the years that I've uh, been away, but also his documentary that came out the house that Rob built and learning about all he did, which I didn't know about until recently, um, what he did for the women he recruited, not only just for the passing of Title IX, but his own actions to make sure that we were cared for and kind of pushed the University of Montana ahead of a lot of other conferences and schools just by his actions alone, which 
the more I learn about what he did, the more I, I mean, I, he's adored no matter what. And that just kind of levels them up even more. Uh, but I also came in for high school. I was with a, I was at a double A and our coaches, I felt like I didn't really see any differences in high school. Uh, uh, but I did come into the university of Montana, um, in, in the documentary, there's somebody that talks about the locker room and my freshman year, we had a locker room that fit like four people in it. And it was underneath the stadium and that's where we went for games and we couldn't even change. There was nowhere to change. There was, you know, it, and that was my freshman year. So that was 95. And I, I remember the boys locker room and it was not that way. Um, and it's still, <laughs> they're still working on it. Um, when I finally graduated, we had a, a new locker room, but now it's, they have to renovate it again. So even, I mean, that's 1995. So the impact from just title nine and then being around Robin Selvig and all he did for the women he recruited, the capability of him being able to allow, he was big on recruiting these small town kids, just that. And then kids off the reservation, just his significance and the whole aspect of it um, really makes me grateful that I was a part of that. And then I guess my big thing with Title IX is, and the kids that I work with now is for them to understand that it's still something that they need to care about and why they should care about it. And I don't want the younger girls and younger women to lose sight of everything that's happened before us. So that's probably the biggest part of why I'm still very invested in the whole aspect of Title IX, because I don't want all the work that's done to be lost. So... Yeah, and it's a good point that uh, there's still more work to do. I mean, just in the last couple of years, uh, there was a lot of controversy over the quality of facilities around what the women got at the at the NCAA tournament compared to what the men were getting. And uh, that, that made a lot of news, right, about the, the disparity between the two. And so there was a push to close that gap and give the women something that was much closer to what the men were already getting. So just a sign that even even sitting here in 2023, more work to be done. And, you know, you always have to be working to maintain what you have. Otherwise things can start to slip and, you know, you fall back into the dark days of locker rooms that nobody can actually change in. <laughs> I didn't know your locker rooms were like that, Linda. That's amazing. Oh yeah. It had a urinal and one shower. Wow. Still won some games. Even with that. A few. Won a lot of games. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about that, ladies, because like we said, you both played in the Big Sky Conference, Janie for the Weber State University. And like we said, Alinda, you playing for the University of Montana was a dynasty under, under Robin Selvig. I mean, uh, I mean, I, I did the research heading into this interview. And folks, if you didn't know it, Montana has far and away the most conference championships on the in the women's game. Twenty one is the count uh, since 1980, like two. So that includes pre Big Sky because the sky didn't start playing women's hoops until 89, according According to my research, but uh, 21, I mean, I think the next closest is like four. 
So, I mean, quite a dynasty that they built in Missoula. Uh, and it feels weird to be saying nice things about Montana on this <laughs> podcast. I'm going to be hundred percent honest with you, <laughs> but let's talk a little bit about you guys' playing careers because um, there, there was, you know, there's some back and forth. And even though, you know, Linda, you played for a, a great coach at a great time at a university that was really winning a lot of games and going to the tournament often, uh, there were battles between you two folks and, um, and and you guys have been able to overcome it and and are now friends. <laughs> well, I, I think I think I just want to be very clear that I was not a big time player in the big sky. I was 150 pounds soaking wet. I was 5'11 on a good day, but we said I was six foot. And I look at it now and I'm like, I had no business playing division one. It was insane, right? The thing is, I was a great athlete and I could jump. And, but when I started, I didn't even realize there was such a term as goofy footed. There's just the way I had always shot the ball and I had to relearn how to shoot. And my, my coach, Carla Taylor CT, she's still around the Audinaria and she, yep. she does our legend. for us. And yeah. And I was like, this woman's crazy. I'm not good. I don't even know what good foot it is. And so um, I battled, I battled with CT a lot. Um, I, I think it took me graduating and kind of going on with my life to like realize what I actually learned from her, not just from the, you know, not just playing, um, just life things. Right. Um, but, you know, I, like I said, I didn't play a ton. I played a little occasionally and have a good game. Um, I could jump. I could rebound. Um, I I could defend. I wasn't a great offensive player, but I could defend. Usually fouled out, but I could defend as needed. And um, I I defended Linda often, <laughs> often, often ended up with bruises and tears. But um, I did enjoy it. I did enjoy my time. And we were talking before, and um, my I think it was was it your senior year? Was it my senior year that we beat you in Montana? Was that was that when it was? Senior or was it? Junior? You guys swept us my junior year. The okay. the following year, I think we went one and one. Yeah, yeah. That's um, get everybody back my senior year. So you swept us. Yeah, junior, junior yeah. year. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't in Dahlberg. It wasn't was it Missoula High School? Yeah, Sino High School. Sino High School. That was a great high school, if you ask me. That's a great. That was a great facility. Uh, top of the line, Linda. Really. I really enjoy playing there. <laughs> I cannot agree with you. I can't agree. Yeah. Uh, not, uh, not great memories at Sentinel, Sentinel high school for Linda. Linda ignore that season. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've been saying a lot on this show lately, burn the tape, burn the tape. So Linda, I mean, you, you mentioned previously that you were a player that um, the way that Robin's system worked is that often you would have to kind of work through and earn your spot and you would, you know, kind of work your way up to, you know, playing full time, you know, being a starter like junior and senior year. And that's kind of the system that you came up through eventually earning yourself an all American, uh, an all American um, honorable mention. Is that right? Yeah, that was my junior yeah my junior year it was I was I actually my mom created some yearbooks for me every year and just being involved with all the different jobs I do I kind of look back at them sometimes to relive because being a mom I forget things and yeah so that year was the worst year Rob had since he started uh, we lost every player that had any starting minutes. Um, I, for some reason, 
I ha- I was forced into a starting role. I was not like it wasn't really set. And that year I was the leading scorer, leading rebounder, MVP and honorable mention All-American. A lot of hardware. But 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 they did lose to Weber State twice that year. Fair enough. Just want to put that out there. Make sure that's the last thing said. <laughs> and there was this, you know, business of losing to the Wildcats. Linda, I, I kind of, you know, like like I mentioned earlier, the Grizz are kind of a dynasty leading up until I mean, until really very recently. I mean, the, the, the Grizz have won a lot of tournaments and gone on to play in the NCAA tournament against some very good teams. And so I kind of wanted to ask you if you could maybe contrast your or kind of compare your experience in the, in the 90s as a player to kind of what you're seeing now and talk about how the women's tournament has grown to become what it is today. Yeah, that's that's something I've learned since I left. Um, and another reason why I'm so grateful that I got to play for Rob, I feel like who he was as a coach he really, uh, how he developed his teams just in, you know, just with the players, you had to earn your spot. You weren't coming in usually as a freshman and starting. Uh, and he had certain things that you needed to learn. And if you didn't learn those, you weren't going to be playing a lot. And I think that moved us ahead of a lot of the other teams, but it also, the other teams started to take notice And I would say by the time I was leaving, you could start seeing a difference in the conference even then. And that was 2000. I mean, they still won, but it wasn't, I mean, there was six years, I think seven years that he won every year. And by the time I left, it was starting, the conference was starting to really take shape to where it wasn't just one team anymore. And I, I would say that I owe that and the conference, the big sky conference owes that to Rob because other coaches, how, how he treated his players, how he treated the other coaches, there was a lot of respect and they wanted to compete. And so he pushed those coaches to recruit better, to coach better. And you're seeing now the difference is that you don't know going into a tournament who's going to win. I mean, it's so exciting. To me, it's really exciting. Yeah, it's nice. Fun. For fans, that's fun. Yeah. And even even during the season, I mean, even during, I remember growing up and you just knew the Lady Grizz were going to be in it. Like they were going to win the tournament. They were going to, I mean, you just knew. And now it's actually, I like it because you don't, you look at the stats, you look at their, the players every game and you don't know who's going to win it. And the coaching, I mean, I think there was a, tribute to Rob for his retirement or something. And I, one of the Idaho coaches has a name of one of their plays after Rob, Mm. like the impact. I mean, it's, it's really cool to see that. And it makes me love the big sky conference, not just being able to play in it, but to, to still follow it and where it's now at it's, it's getting even better. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about the festivities that are going to be happening in Boise here in a couple of weeks because the conference tournament, we've talked about it on the show a couple of times, that conference tournament is changing this year. Uh, It's going to be starting on a Saturday, going into Sunday, and then the championship games are going to be held on uh, 
both on Tuesday or on Tuesday, Wednesday, or both on Wednesday? Both, both on Wednesday. Both, both on Wednesday. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, which obviously, you know, if you're, if you've been going to conference tournaments in the past, it's a marked change from, you know, wrapping things up on a Saturday and that's kind of the way it is. And then, you know, you just wait for selection Sunday. So mm-hmm. now that things are changing, um, Janie, I thought that maybe you would talk a little bit about some of the things you have planned. We are having a reception. Um, the goal is we'd really like to see as many former women's basketball players from the big sky. And that includes, you know, Boise state was in the big sky for a very long time before they right. left. And, you know, Trish Bader played, Trish Benford played at Boise state. Um, I'd so she'll be around. That. She'll be, she'll yeah. already be at Boise. <laughs> yeah. So let's get Boise state um, former players there. Um, what we'd like to do is, and we've opened it to the public as well. Um, we're going to have like a, a fun little brunch and hopefully have enough people to, to pull this off and, and have like a reception um, prior to the first um, session of the of the day at noon. And what we'd like to do is have all of those former um, basketball players that are able to attend, have them come down and be recognized on the court, um, probably at halftime of that first game. And really kind of talk about how they are ambassadors of the sport at this time and ambassadors of, of women's basketball. Because I, I, as you were talking, I was just thinking about how the, how the game in the big sky has leveled up um, ever since, you know, 2000 when I left. And, you know, I got to watch it from the conference office at that point and watch the parity increase and just get so much better. But it was interesting because we've sent this information out to everybody. We're trying to get people signed up. The very first person that signed up. Her name is Cindy Stump, and she played at Weber State in 1983. And she, I did not know who this woman was. And she was a Kodak All-American. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, that was before, granted, that was before we started sponsoring it. It's when they played as Mountain West. But that is so cool. And I would love to just get all of these women together because the one thing we have in common besides our aching joints is we played in the big sky and we love the big sky. And, you know, as much as I um, disliked playing against Krista Redpath, I adore that woman now. So I don't know. I don't know if you know Colby, but she, she is our color. She was a dirty, dirty player at Montana. She was dirty. <laughs> she was You're talking she, about my teammate. <laughs> listen, she apologized for it. But she, when I found out we hired her, I was upset because some wounds don't heal, Linda. And so when I saw her and she goes, oh, my gosh, you know, and she called me by my maiden name. And I'm like, well, that's impressive. You remembered because I didn't play that much. And she goes, I just have to apologize. You know, I used to go whenever and I don't know if it was just when Weaver State came. I'm assuming it was. She was I used to go get my nails done that day. And I'm like, I knew it because she would post up. We'd post up and she would defend us and she would pinch this right here and twist. And the beauty of that was the officials could never see it. And they always saw the retaliation. That's why I fell out. Yeah. I I, I can't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) First time hearing this. Well, right. And because, you know, she had been injured so much, she played for like 10 years. My goodness. How many, how many medical hardships did that woman get? She blew out her knee twice. I know. And I kept thinking, maybe you should stop playing Red Path. Let's just be done with it. But she is. And that's kind of what I really enjoy is like, I never would have thought I would have ever called Krista Red Path my friend. Like Linda, I can, you know, I can see that. She was always really respected Linda. She never was dirty. Krista was dirty and she apologized for it, but I really enjoyed Krista. 
and she's a genuine person. And so really, really kind of nice to see that. And I'd love to see more of these former student athletes, women's basketball players show up and just kind of, you know, do that because that's, that's a big part of our life. And that's a big part of how we became who we are. And I'd love to see that. And we'd really encourage everyone. And Linda's going to get her, her alumni in, uh, in line and get that done. And she's going to show up. Going to show up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you're right. Krista has turned into, I mean, she's, she's, I think one of the, the conference's best color folks um, around. Mm-hmm. Uh, she does a great job covering the sport. I think uh, probably does the best job in the conference out of anybody uh, just covering big sky women's basketball. And so always nice to hear her on the mic, uh, even though, you know, all of this rivalry is a little bit before my time, but, uh, <laughs> but Linda, I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the work that you've done, uh, because my understanding is that you've, you've worked pretty closely with the alumni group at the university of Montana, kind of keeping everyone together, sending out, you know, fairly regular updates and also being a part of this effort to get folks to come to Boise and kind of be recognized for the work that they did to move the women's game to where it has, uh, where it's, where it's gotten to today. Yeah, I, that's one thing I hope um, I it'll be interesting to see if they come. They we just had 70 come back for Rob's court naming um, and some traveled from Alaska. Uh, so and that's pretty impressive still. I mean, our our alumni group were I mean, any time that we can, we get together and usually it's over 40 people at one time. So hopefully they get there. And and if they can't. Hopefully we have a couple that represent the Lady Grizz and Rob. Um, hope maybe he can get there. I have to see if he's going to be traveling to Mexico because he's retired. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I, to honor Rob, I have tried since I moved back to Montana 2013. I, and he was still coaching. Um, once he left it, we didn't really have a lot to come back for there. We usually would come back for cat Grizz games and try to make it. So we have like an old reunion and ever since um, I just wanted to make sure that what he started and built continues. And it also continues with the players that are not coached by him because they're still they're alumni and it doesn't matter who coached. We're still one family. So I'm trying to make sure that, Everybody's informed about events, uh, making sure that they get to know the new team, which is important. The new team sees us. So when they see us in the crowd, they know that we're alumni and we're not just another face. And um, please drop a banner soon um, as a reminder. They're getting anxious. (laughs) It's been a while. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I'd be nice. Banner. but it's an, it's important and it's important for these players, I hope, that come back from all the other teams uh, to represent their school and to represent Title IX. Be, even if they don't even feel like they've been inf- impacted, they have. And we all shared one conference that we played under and that's important. And it, I, I am excited to to meet people that I played against and reminisce about stories that I've forgotten and maybe talk to the person that tried to f- punch me at Cal Poly one year. I'd like to meet that person. Um, but Cal <laughs> Poly wasn't in our league. Oh, but they need, I would like to find 
find film on that game and find the person that came through the line and punched, tried to punch me. And Megan Harrington had to step in front and be like, not today, sister. Um, See, guys, the green, stories- the green, these green teams, I'll tell you what. I know. I know. Oh, you know how it is on I- Weber State Weekly. You did not lose to the green teams, guys. Seriously, now that you said that, it's all about the green teams. <laughs> As a so I, representative, yeah. we love everyone the same. Fair enough. No. Put that out here for now. <laughs> well, we want to we want to wish you all the, the best. I mean, obviously, we want to hope that as many folks as possible can show up to the this the celebration in Boise on Sunday. That will be March the fifth. If I, if I got my dates right, It'll yep. be March the fifth conference. Mm-hmm. Yep, concert starts on the fourth, and so it will be earlier today. Janie, can you give more specifics on where it will be, what time, yeah. all of those things? We're actually really excited. Um, uh, the owner of White Dog Brewing, uh, okay, he's from Montana, and he has generously offered his space. That's our space. Um, that's our fan zone, actually. So, Wildcat not, fans, if you show not. up, that's the place. It's not. It's not. You're not at White Dog Brewing. Oh, they moved us. I have to look it up. I'd have That's to what the website it. says. Okay. Okay. Maybe, maybe it is. I just remember he was not happy that he didn't get one of the two Montana schools. Maybe Some people did. Put, somebody pointed that out in uh, in the Big Sky Podcast Network. If they're like, so yeah. you put Sacramento State and Weber State at a brewery founded in Montana? <laughs> Why did you do that? <laughs> just throw a dart. See, who can we piss off today, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you're right. It is, it is at White Dog. So um, he generously offered... Uh, to host us and gave us a pretty good deal in terms of he's like whatever amount of money like per head will make it work and so um, the way we have our system set up is you just need to go online and fill out um, there's a link and hopefully you can you can post it with your podcast information but we can put it in the in the uh, description for this episode so if you hear it and you know about somebody go ahead and check the episode description the link will be there for you Awesome. And so you just have to fill out. There's two things you have to fill out. One is a registration for us. So we know who's coming. Um, and we ask things like, you know, hey, listen, were you, what kind of awards did you get? When did you play? Where did you play? You know, things like that. If you didn't play, great. That's great, too. Um, and then also to uh, your ticket is twenty five dollars. That helps us pay for the cost of uh, dinner or sorry, a brunch. But then it also covers uh, a a ticket for you for that session. And so it goes through the the arena and that's how that payment is made. And so we get a cut of that and that's what we'll um, cover brunch. And I think we'll have some uh, potentially some mimosas, potentially we'll see. Um, I think Linda. I'm there then. I'm there. (laughs) That's all all you had to say, Janie. Registered. Lead with that. So, you know, just kind of, you know, we're trying to figure out, I, honestly, if it turns out well this year, I'd love to do something like this in the future just to kind of get the excitement. I mean, whatever. And it's true. When we went to Montana to play, it was it was an amazing. And I don't know if you knew this, Colby. I don't know how old you are, but I remember that Montana women um, out um, outsold their men in terms of butts and state seats regularly, mm. consistently. And as much as that sounds awful to an opposing team, I, I there's no better place that I love playing than University of Montana in Dalbert Arena. Because that's crazy because I feel the exact awful. opposite about that. Do you? I, yeah, because we always lose there. <laughs> oh, yeah. And we did too. But it was uh, when was the last time you got to play? What do you have? Seven thousand seats there now at this point. Yeah. Where do you get to play at, at, at our level? Where do you get to play a quality game? 
and have 7,000 angry fans that are that cheering for another team. And I loved it. I loved it. a good it. atmosphere. Yeah. Um, I, I would have loved it if Labor State had that kind of fan support. They didn't. We're, we're working on it. <laughs> yeah. So it's just. You know, support your teams, people. Yep. That's right. Yeah. Love to have that kind of in Boise too, have that fan. So um would love to see some people there. Um, I've sent it out to my, to my friends. I, they live all over the country right now. They're not, I, I doubt they'll be able to come, but um, it's also, as I said, open to the public. Um, and we'll just be glad to have anyone who who wants to attend and kind of support, support our um, former women's basketball players. Mm, maybe I'll have to show up too. If that's not you weird. It. Love it. We'll come hang out. Bobby, your yeah. fam. <laughs> All right, fair enough. See, I'm, I'm, I'm in the, I'm in the, the women's basketball. You know, we're in the thing. I'm like, hey, man, Pat Summit used to be my Honorary neighbor. Lady no. Grizz alumni. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the Grizz guys, Brent and, um, and Father Mike are gonna love hearing those words. I'm sure. <laughs> Shout out well, to you guys. You, Shout out to the Grizz fan. Her on here. It was really a big deal. That's so a lot. I'm so yeah. sorry. Oh, good. Well, ladies, really appreciate um, having this interview and talking a little bit about Title IX, talking about some of the the time that you have spent playing against each other and also about some of the work that the conference is doing to kind of keep that momentum going and connect everybody back to some of the programs that are happening with this neutral site tournament uh, in Boise, which I think has been a, a great move for the conference. I love going to Boise. And so really excited to kind of see how this puts uh, how this comes together and $25 for brunch and, and an all day session. Man, that's a great deal. So get your tickets. Uh, show up to Boise. If you need more information, go to BigSkyInBoise.com. It's got all the information there. If you want to know where the teams are staying, what hotels, what your fan zone supposed to be, what time the games are, what the bracket looks like, all there for you. BigSkyInBoise.com. And then uh, if you're a, a former player and an alumna of one of these programs and you want to show up to this thing, or if you're like me and you're just interested and you care about hoops, uh, go sign up at the link in the bio. Uh, you'll be able to check that out and uh, get to rub rub elbows with these fine folks. So with that, I'll wrap it up like I always do. Linda, you don't have to do this part. Janie, you and me can do it. I'll say okay. Weber State, Weber State. <laughs> great, great, great. All right. Listen, I, I love all my children equally, right? That's, that's fair. I'll, that, I'll go ahead and say it because I so appreciate you. So you lead it in, I'll do it. Weber State, Weber State. Great, great, great. Go Wildcats. <laughs>